Thank you for taking the time to listen. Church Hurt is real. We would like to hear your story to help others who have been abused in church. Only when we speak up can we begin to heal from the pain. Please send your story confidentially to the email witminyahoo.com. Welcome to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN Network. Come join us as we study the Word of God together. Go get your Bible and let's see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. Luke chapter 4, then uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, and 2 Kings chapter 5. Okay, start recording. Get started. Thank you for coming to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church uh, Midday Bible Study. We pray that you hear something today that will edify you. We pray that you will uh, continue to listen and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 4, 1 Kings chapter 17, and 2 Kings chapter 5. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm going to pray us in, and then we're going to get started. Well, Grace Heavenly Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the people that have come to hear your word. Lord, bless those who are listening around the world and let them receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying through the word of God. Amen. So, we've been studying Luke, the book of Luke. We're in the Gospel of Luke. And we're just taking our time uh, going through the Gospel of Luke and learning from that gospel. Um, we've talked about uh, Luke being a physician, Luke being uh, a writer who is forensically uh, recapping what uh, Jesus had done. We talked about Luke's ability to write in the excellent Greek language. We talked about the three witnesses. We talked about the names of uh, uh, John, the birth of John the Baptist. Uh, his mother and father's name. We talked about Mary, and so and we talked about uh, just the birth of Jesus Christ. And now we're getting, we're in the ministry of Jesus Christ and what he began uh, to teach. And Luke is for the philosophical mind. Luke is for the Greek mind. Uh, Luke again, the one of the oldest manuscripts in the Bible is the Septuagint, which is uh, in uh, is written in Greek. It's in Alexand. It's actually, uh, I think, it's still housed in Alexandria, Egypt. I think so. So um, we want to continue to 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 to, to go through this uh, thing forensically. Today we're going to look at in Luke chapter four. We're going to look at the two stories Jesus told and really discuss why did he tell these stories and why were they so upset. So Jackie, can you? Read. Uh, started started verse uh, twenty. Started verse twenty. Verse twenty of Luke four. Uh huh. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. So we got the situation where. Jesus is in the synagogue, is about to teach, and 
He had spoke out of Psalm 61 and he got to the part. He talked about the purpose of his ministry to, to heal the blind. Okay. To heal the blind, to uh, let them be able to see the lame walk, all of that. Okay. He was there to do that. But then he stopped where there's a comma in the Bible in, in Psalm 61 where it talked about the day of the vengeance of the Lord. So that hasn't happened yet. He says in your hearing, you have, you have, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Okay. So, so he's going to sit down and teach. All right. All right. So no, you're fine. You don't have to do that. You're fine. So this is where we're at. This is exactly where we're at. All right. You can come on across. Come on. You don't have to go that way because I'm not even filming it. I'm just recording audio. So, so we have that situation going on. We have uh, Jesus. Now he's sitting down. All eyes is on him. They were amazed at his boldness, you know, because they know he hasn't been taught by a rabbi. But they are all astounded by his, his presence, his boldness. You know, this is on the heels of him being tempted in the wilderness for 40 days by the devil, using the word of God to uh, push the devil away. And it said it was going to wait until another appropriate time. And we talked about the next time Jesus was really tempted to go in a different direction than he was assigned was at the Garden of Gethsemane. You don't really see the devil there, but you see the temptation of the flesh by looking at the fact that he's going to be tempted by this uh, uh this situation. All right, Jackie, go ahead, read. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Mm -hmm. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And he said, Is not this Joseph's son? I'm sorry, and they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will you quote to me this proverb. Take your time. And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. Mm -hmm. So when do you think he would say that? He said, Doubtless one day you're going to quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. No. When do you think that was going to be said? When he was at the cross. When he was at the cross, right. When he was on the cross, people were mocking him and saying, if you're the son of God, why can't you heal yourself? Why can't you come down? Why are you willing to die? Okay, uh, go ahead. What we have heard you, what we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. So they wanted him to do the miracles that they heard about at Capernaum. They wanted him to do the same in his hometown. Now we have to remember, uh, in another book, it says, what was the first miracle that Jesus did? Turn the water at a wedding, right? So what they heard about, some of the miracles they heard about, they say, now do it in Nazareth. Okay? Because we're talking about this Galilean ministry. Now do it, do it, do it in your hometown. All right? All right. What verse you on? I am on 24. Free to pick up at 25. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. And that's true. You know, real prophets, real men and women of God, we really not received in the town that we grow up in. If you notice, even with the with the, with some of the uh, the televangelists, you, when you hear where they come from, 
they're normally transplanted somewhere else, and that's when their ministry takes off. It's just something about your own hometown that people can't get past who you used to be. They just can't get past it. They don't know how their psychological nature won't let them get past who you, who you used to be. So they can't hear because they're blinded by the flesh. In the, in, the, in, in, in the church, we can get blinded by looking at a person based upon where they come from, who they're born to, the economic status. We can either undercut them or undercount them or disregard them or because of the way they look, because of what they have, we give them too much credit. You know, that's when you get into stuff like, he looks like a preacher. She looked like she anointed. What does that mean? You know, I've had I've had that said to some people that I love, but I, I think I'm just as spiritual discerning as anybody else. I can't tell by just looking at you if you anointed. I need to listen to you and see what come out of your mouth to see how anointed you really are. But a lot of times, uh, people, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, people play it in that. So if I look the part, I play the part, then I must be the part. But that's how you get fooled. So Jesus is telling them, you know, they're looking at Jesus and the first thing they say, they, now look, they were amazed at his gracious words and then somebody said, I can't believe this is coming from Joseph's son. And you already know the, the scandal behind Jesus' birth and Joseph was just a carpenter or a woodworker. So how did he say these things with authority? But you accepted it as a gracious thing because he told you the blind is going to see, the lame is going to walk, the deaf is going to hear, and I'm going to preach the good news to, you know, let the captives free. Oh, that's good. But you don't want to receive the message because at a point because you don't like what the messenger looks like. Okay? That's why John the Baptist was interesting because he didn't look the part. Jesus has said, John the Baptist come to you not drinking or eating. And you call, you call him a wine bibber. I mean, you call him a drunkard, a wine bibber. Jesus comes to you eating and drinking, and you just call him a drunkard. See, we got to get out of church. We got to get out of our minds that we can't look at the surface of a person. Because the person that you're looking at, you look down upon or give them too much credit, you're hindering your growth because you're not looking with the spiritual discerning eyes that God has given you to listen to them. If faith come by hearing and hearing come by the word of God, so, so does discernment. I can't discern anything until I either hear what you're doing or watch your actions. You know, I just can't, you know, somebody walking here and they, I'll never say, oh, look at that anointed person if I don't have a relationship with them. Okay. All right, Frida, go ahead. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel. <coughs> Excuse me. In Elijah's days, mm -hmm. when the sky was shut up for three years and six months while a great famine came over all the land. So we talk about the days of Elijah where there was a great famine over the land and the skies were shut up. Shut up. When you shut up. When you read about Elijah in, in 1 Kings, which you're going to do, he prophesied for God because of their disobedience, he shut up the skies. You know, the most important commodity over in Israel and desert regions is rain. So when the Bible says God's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, he really means I'm going to open up a heaven and pour out a blessing. Not money, not cause, not fame, but rain to a parched land. Think about what we read in Isaiah 43, 18. 
I'll make rivers. I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in your desert. God's goal is, is he's talking truly agricultural. I don't know why we make this spiritual in such a way, but to the Israelites, he's talking agricultural. We know spiritually God will make a way out of no way. We know God will fill our desert moments. We know we understand all of that. But in context, he's really talking about rain. So there's a famine in the land. There's no rain, okay, in the land. All right? Go ahead, read, Arsenio. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them except the widow at Zarephath in Sidon. So now we have the story. Jesus just says he was sent not to the nation of Israel, but to a widow, one person. And Zarephath in the city of Sidon. Well, if he wasn't sent to Israel, just by reading that, this woman he's getting sent to must be a who? A what? Gentile. She's a Gentile. Yeah. She's not, she's not uh, 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 a Jew. But he just read something that pertained to the Jews. But see, this, this is I want you to see the transition. Remember the Bible said... He came unto his own. His own received him not. Okay. So in Luke's gospel, this is the beginning of them not receiving him. And him show, him, he's going to show them through their own scripture that God is the God of everybody. And he will have mercy on who he has mercy. He will have grace and blessings upon who he makes the choice. It's not by bloodline. Yes, there was a promise to Israel. But God is God over the Gentiles and the Jews. When Abraham was accounted to him as what was counted to him as righteousness, his faith, he was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. Okay? Abraham is the father of the nation of Israel, but the nation of Israel didn't start until after Jacob and his 12 sons, which all the 12 tribes are named after. Okay? So we have this situation where the Jews are being, or the, the land is being, being punished, or the Jews are being chastised because of their disobedience. And God doesn't send. He said there was many widows in Israel during that time of famine. Many people died. Okay? It was a plague. You know, a famine is like a plague. Okay? Many people died. One of the famines that they had, the Jewish women were actually boiling their children. And eating their children. That's how bad it was. We say famine. We just, oh, it's a famine. No, we don't understand. When there's no famine, there's no food. Okay? There's no food. So, so there's a famine in the land. It was going to last three, three years and six months, as Elijah will tell us. Okay? So let's look forensically. He brought up this woman of Zarephath. For you to go to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. And... <laughs> 1 Kings chapter 17. Let's look, let's start up. Uh, let's start at verse 8. So this is the story of Zarephath woman. Okay. Remember we said she's a Gentile. So let's see what God does based upon the story that Jesus is telling. And then we got to figure out why did Jesus tell this story to them. All right. Go ahead. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. And stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. 
And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please give me a little water in a jar that I may drink. Now, what story does that sound like? The woman at the well. That's right. Sound like the woman at the well. Behold, give me a water. Give me some water that I can drink. Now, you got to remember, he's a Jew. She's a Gentile. All right. But God said he had ordained a woman to provide for him. And she wasn't a Jew. See, don't tell me about God and you women. Because you see now, God has told this woman, you're going to provide for my prophet. Okay? And she don't actually know it yet. But you're going to tell by her the way she talks. She believes in the God of Israel, even though she's not a, not a Jew. She's not an Israelite. She's a pagan. She's a Gentile. She's on the out. She's not on the inside. She's on the outside. But God, the God we know, is the only God that those who are in that think they're in can actually be out, and those who are out can actually be in. And we thank God for that. All right? Go ahead. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please, give me a piece of bread in your hand. But, but she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. So now, what stories does that sound like where they only had a few things? Uh, uh, Hagar no. What stories in the Bible that Jesus is gonna tell with a person he didn't preach to him and there, there's no food and then he there's only a, some fish and some loaves. Oh, the yeah, there's only a few. There's a see, see it kind of mirrors this story, you know. And Jesus said, "You feed them, and if we send them away, they'll perish." In this story. She believes she only has enough to fix her son something. And you remember, there's a famine in the land. One last meal. And then we're going to die. They accepted the fate of the famine. But, and she didn't realize at that point, God has decided to give her favor. And based upon her circumstance, she didn't know what was going to happen. She went with what was natural. We're in the famine. I got a little bit left. I'm going to get some sticks, make a fire. Make a little bit of food, and after that, we have nothing, and we're going to die. And we're going to die. We've accepted our fate, but God says different. So when we say God gets the last word, he gets the last word. Amen. And you never know, the Bible says, you never know who you're talking to, because you could be entertaining an angel, a messenger from God, which this man of God was. He was a messenger from God. He had made a request of her. He said, give me something to drink. Because he was thirsty. You know, he don't get the pass on his famine. The prophet go through the same thing the people go through. He don't get set up somewhere high yet. He, he has to go through it also. All right, go ahead. Then Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread. Make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. So he said, look. I heard what you said. Do what you're going to do, but do this first. Make me a little bit of what you're making and give it to me first. All right? Go ahead. 
and afterward you may make one for yourself and for your son. Now, a lot of times, y'all can read the script, this scripture, you, can, you should feel it in your bones right now. Men of God, so-called men of God, so-called preachers of God have taken advantage of this passage. Can't y'all see how they take advantage of it? Yeah. Give me yours first. And then you get yours in the mail. <laughs> the wimpy prophecy. Give me mine now. Take care of the man of God now. And God will bless you later. There's only one problem with that. First of all, you're not supposed to take this thing out of its context. Not like that. Because it's not about the man of God being taken care of by the woman. It's about God providing for the both of them. Okay, I can't get no amen out of that. Okay. okay. So then y'all need to go. When y'all leave, give me y'all money and let. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all should have been like amen on that one. But see, it's about the God that provided for the both, the prophet and the widow and the son. Okay. God set up the situation. Okay. All she had to do was what? Be obedient to the man of God and his request. And that request was going to get her fed too. But don't let nobody trick you saying this story is about taking care of the man of God. No, it's not. It's about the grace of God having mercy on whom he will have mercy. The bigger picture. Okay. So many times I've seen this scripture taken out of its context and used to abuse the saints of God. We don't do that up in here. And if you listen to me, you do that shame on you. You might not be a man or woman of God. You use this like this. Okay? You might not even be saved. Go ahead. Verse 14. Oh, 1 Kings 17, verse 14. Mm -hmm. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be emptied. Until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So see, he starts off very definite, definitive, very precise. Thus saith who? The God of Israel. You got to remember, she a pagan. She got whatever God she normally worshiped, the God of Sidon, you know, Moloch, one of them other gods. She's, he, he's representing Israel. He's representing the God of Israel. Just like we, we represent Jesus. That's why we don't just go with God. Okay? When you witness the people, do you know God? No, 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 no. Do you know Jesus? You got to, get, you got to be specific. Because you'll have people tell you. Not, and I know this the easy way y'all want to back out when somebody say, well, my friend, no, they know God. Do they know Jesus? And if you're scared to say Jesus, then how they going to know? Just, I mean, you can use the word God, but then you got to put, get, bring Jesus to the equation because they can believe in any kind of God. And nine times out of ten, they believe in a God that looks just like them. The God of their imagination. I'm talking about the Jesus that saves, the Jesus on the cross. That's the God I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm talking about the God of the universe. All two different gods. Two different gods. Is Jesus God of the universe? Yeah, but I need, I need you to believe in Jesus. Well, I don't really believe in Jesus. Okay, then we do not say You can play that game with somebody else. And as saints of God, we let people off the hook because we don't know. We, we want our people, we want to assume that everybody's saved because then that makes it easy for us. But you should assume that a person's not saved until you know for a fact out of their mouth they saved. 
Okay, they repented for their sins, they believe in Jesus Christ for their salvation, and they say, believing in the God in the material world to give them stuff and the candles and, 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 and incense and all that stuff, that's what they do with the pagan gods. Okay? And we know that 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 Satan appears as an angel of light, deceiving everyone that listened to him. Okay? He's very specific, very concise. This is the God of Israel, and thus say him. And what did he say again? Read that again. The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, mm -hmm. nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So he's telling her, you're going to have food all during this famine. Somehow or another, there's not going to be nothing growing, but the flour that comes from the wheat is never, every time you dip in it, something's going to come out. Every time you get ready to make some food, the oil going to be there. Where does this come from? This is a miracle because nothing is growing in the land. It's not like she got to go out and pick. She still got to go grab the wood for the fire. He didn't do that one. <laughs> but as far as, can you imagine? She get up in the morning. She trusts in God. She say, okay. The man of God say, just make some cake. Okay, I got to go get some more wood. She come back and the thing is full. She make enough for the day. Next morning, she go out and get some more firewood. Come back, it's full. And she know there's no natural reason for that. Okay? God is, 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 is sovereignly intervening in this woman's life. And I've been trying to research a reason why. That's our question. Why her? Who is she? That this God will go out of his nation... That his that he that he loves, but he's but he's he's chastising him now, and go do something for her. Still don't know why. Go ahead. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. So everybody in her household ate for many days. So we don't know how many people were in her household, but we know they ate for many days. They thought they were going to die, and now they have an abundance. They thought it was over, but God intervened. Okay? All right, go ahead. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. All right. So we had that story. Let's go back to Luke. Let's go back to Luke. Senator, you pick up in Luke. Frida, you go get uh, 2 Kings chapter fifth, chapter 15, starting at verse uh, 1, when I call for it. Right, Luke 4.27. And in the prophet Elijah's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy. Mm -hmm. And yet not one of them was cleansed except naming the site of Syria. So now we got a situation. There was many widows. During the time of Elijah, and he sent it to the, to the Gentile woman of Zarephath. There was many lepers in the time of Elijah, and now this leper <coughs> is Naaman, who is a Gentile. Okay? All right, go ahead, read, Arsenio. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was enraged. Stop right there. Free to go to 2 Kings chapter 15. So let's investigate that story. Because, hold on, now God, God is doing something. He tells these people the good news about the, 
the healing that he's going to bring, and he says it's be fulfilled in your, in your hearing, but they're not receiving it. They're not believing it by faith, okay? They want a miracle. Like they said, do what you did in Capernaum. Then Jesus goes to tell this story that's in their book. So why are you getting upset? Because I'm telling a story that's in your book. This ain't no story outside of your book. This is a story inside your book. Okay, let's see the story. Go ahead. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, son of Amizah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king. Hold on, hold on. That's 2 uh, Kings. 2 Kings 15, verse 1. Okay, go ahead. I thought 2 Kings 15. Five, five, I'm sorry. That's right. Thank you. I'm like, no, that don't sound right. Second King, no, that's my fault. Second Kings 5, verse 1. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah, I, I was like, that don't even sound right. Go ahead. Now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master and highly respected because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The, the man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. Okay, so in a lot of your books, it may say the king of Syria. Yes. As, as it may say the king of Syria. Okay, so this is a Gentile nation. All right, this is a Gentile nation, and 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 uh, uh, he was a Naaman was a mighty man of valor. Your book may say mighty man of valor. He was he was a general, but he was a leper. Okay, now you got to remember the Jews had to rule that if you was a leper, you had to stay away. Yeah, but this is the Gentiles, so they don't go by the same rules. All right? They may at a point, but as we see, how you going to be a general and not be around the men? Yeah. All right? So we see this situation, whereas this, this man who's a leper is a general and a mighty warrior, and that at this time, God is blessing Syria. Syria is a Gentile nation. And remember, why does God bless foreign nations? Because the nation that he chose is being disobedient. Anytime you see God in the Old Testament blessing a Gentile nation, it's normally to chastise the nation of Israel because they've been disobedient. And we know if we're in kings, we know the kingdom's about to be split or split already. Okay? And it, you have Israel and you have Judah. All right? So we got this going on. Go ahead. Now the Arameans had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel. So this, so when they went and raided Israel, he took a slave girl back with him. But God blessed him, blessed the king of Syria to do this, to take this girl captive. Who else got put into captivity that we know as an individual that ended up blessing Israel? Joseph. Joseph. Her story is not, not as elaborate, but she they make a raid on her village, whatever village it was, and they don't give they don't give her a name. She's with a little girl of Israel. And now she is in the hands of the Syrians. And she's a slave girl. Okay? So her life, her breath, her being is in the hands of her slave master. Alright? Go ahead. And she waited on Naaman's wife. So she was the handmaiden of Naaman's wife, just like Joseph was in charge of Potiphar's house. All right, go ahead. She said to her mistress, 
I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. Now think about this. You've been taken captive. She probably got taken captive as a young girl, but you've been taken captive, but you have, you wish a blessing on the person who holds you captive. She said, my master, I wish he would go see the man of God that's in Syria. Because now Elijah is in Syria. He's not even in Israel anymore. All right, go ahead. Then he would cure him from his leprosy. Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl who is from the land of Israel. See, she don't even get a name. The girl <laughs> that spoke this word from Israel. At least Joseph got a name. She don't get nothing. Go ahead. Just like the, uh, just like a lot of times you see the girl, the woman, the woman at the well, vital story, but she don't even get a name. All right, go ahead. Then the king of Aram said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him 10 talents of silver and 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothes. So he, he comes with a present. Back then, when you used to go see important people, you come with a gift. Okay? Sometimes this passage has been mis, misused. You're going to the man of God, you need to take him a gift. <laughs> Ten shekels of silver equates to a couple thousand dollars. Okay? And, and what I'm saying is, is that this is misplaced. The, the important part is not what Naaman is taking. That was customary. Okay, that was traditional. So don't confuse con things that are customary to the culture of that day to something that we have to do in our day, which is the traditions of man. They're trying to put on you something that you couldn't even do if you wanted to. Okay, name it was a general and there was a king and the king gave him some of his treasure. So how that would equate is that if you were going somewhere to visit another pastor, then you would come to me and I would give you a check, a big check to go take to the pastor. Okay? That's how that would, if it looked like, the, if we did that on a customary basis, every time y'all go to another church, I say, here, you need a check, you need a check, you need a check. To give to the man of God, okay? But that's taken out of context. Don't let people abuse you with Old Testament traditions and, and, and customs. Okay, first of all, you're not a Jew. And second of all, the story is not about that, the custom. The story is not about the custom. The story is, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna define the story for you. All right, go ahead. He brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, and now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you that you may cure him of his leprosy. So he followed protocol. He didn't go straight to the man of God. He went to the king of Israel, all right, and brought him a letter saying, I've sent my servant to you. Whatever you need to do, get him cured, okay? Get him cured. I didn't send you, to, sent you something, sent you a gift, get him cured. The little slave, slave girl, think about what the slave girl started. She started a conversation between high important people, and she's not even important. But when you want a healing, you do what you have to do. And when somebody wants to bless you, like I said, she don't even get a name. Everybody else get a name. Kings, mighty man of valor. She's just a little slave girl. So you can't tell me that you can't be blessed by somebody that seems to be unimportant. All right? God say he uses the foolish things to confound the wise. You can get that out of this. But don't get this thing where you have to uh, uh, do the customs of that day now. 
Because that, that ain't how we roll. Okay, We the church. Ain't no kings around here. There's only one king, King Jesus. Amen. Go ahead. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? So he already knew he couldn't do nothing. But he understood that once the gift was given, he couldn't do nothing about what the other king expected. Because you got to remember, at that time, the other king was more powerful. So he didn't want to. He's like, oh, my God, what should I do? He didn't brought the gift. Naming is in front of me. Who am I? I am not God. So remember that. That was one of the smartest things he could say. That's one of the smartest things anybody could say. I am. Am not God, no matter what kind of gift you give me. I can't make God do something he don't ordain himself to do. You can't buy God off. Okay? You can't buy God off. So get out of those $50 lines and get out of those $100 lines and get out of those $5,000 lines because you can't pimp God. All right? I know I'm talking to somebody out there that's listening because nobody in this church do nothing stupid like that. That's stupid. That's spiritual abuse. Okay? Because if it was easy as giving somebody a check, trust me, I would have been did that and you would have too. You know? But it don't work like that. I'm not saying don't support ministry, but don't, don't try to use God as no cosmic slot machine. You deposit some men and pull the lever and watch it go round and round and hope you get cherry, cherry, cherry. That ain't how this works, all right? All right, go ahead. But consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. So he thought he was being set up for a fight. That he can come and raid us again because I can, he know I can't do this. Go ahead. It happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent word to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? <laughs> now, let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So he said, why are you tripping? Why are you scared? You already know you can't do nothing. You already know I'm the man of God, send him to me. You can't do nothing. Now you got to remember the famine is still going on. You can't do anything. All you can do is send him to me. Okay, and, and a lot of times, and I, and I say this in a, in, a, in a way that you can understand, a lot of times you guys will get confronted with questions that you can't answer. Don't even try. Send them to me. Because what I'm telling you is a lot of times people don't really want to know the answer. They just want to start a fight. Yeah. <laughs> you want to stop that? Tell them, okay, let me get my pass on the phone and you can ask him. And they get to, well, no, no, uh-uh. You already know they ain't asking. They're not really seeking. They just want to mess with your head, get you all discombobulated, try to plant, plant a seed in your head of doubt, and they're not willing to even try to listen. Okay? They're not even willing to try to listen. I was talking to a friend of mine who told me this guy told her that all African Americans in America are Baptists. That was as dumb as you get. And it's like, what did he base that on? Somebody told him something, that. And then she asked him, do you believe everything somebody told you? Well, they a pastor, and they told. If a pastor told you that every African-American in the United States 
is a Baptist, something wrong with you. And something wrong with him. Okay? But again, we are gulls. People are gullible. Because they don't want to do the research. They just want to be told. Okay? That's why we go line by line and verse by verse. Because you'll never say that I just made up something. You know, I may misinterpret it. But you'll never say I made it up. You know, I can misinterpret. I'm still fallible. I try not to. But, you know, that's why we go line by line and verse by verse. Go ahead. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be clean. <coughs> so Elijah didn't come see him. Elijah didn't grant him an audience. Elijah sent a messenger, one of his sons. And I don't mean sons by birth. I mean, one, you know, if what I see in the Old Testament, they call the sons of the prophets. They're not necessarily prophets themselves, but they are like the caretakers of the prophet. Okay? They're in the school of learning. Maybe one of them will be a prophet. But they're not necessarily a prophet. They take care of the prophet. So he sent a messenger, probably one of his sons, to go tell him what to do. The word going forth. You don't need me. You need the word. And see, him being a, a Gentile, he thought protocol, go see the king. The king said, go see Elijah. Elijah going to see me. But your word can go farther than your flesh. Your word can go farther than your flesh. Your prayers can go farther than you getting involved and up close and personal. Sometimes you need to pray for a person and move out the way, like I said today, so God can have his perfect work. But you want to sit there, do the prayer, watch them, talk to them some more, and God say, I just told you to pray. Matter of fact, I didn't tell you to go talk to them. I told you to pray for them. And you don't need to be in their presence to pray for them. Some of the best prayers over my life has been answered for me by people who prayed for me and they didn't have to even see me. Amen. 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 See, but you want to see somebody. He, and, they, and you can't blame him. He, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a heathen. He wants to see. He's important himself. He wants to see the next important man. You know, you don't want to talk to, to Sister Jackie. You want to talk to the pastor. Why? Well, I, I might not have a word for you. <laughs> She may have, you know what I'm saying? God may have chose her to give her, give the word to you. And you bypass her. You run into her. And she say, well, I might help you. And then the spirit hits her to say, you need to say this, that, and the other. And then you jump in like, no, no, no. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to the pastor. And you come over to me and I'll be like, what you want me to say? Well, you the pastor. But you pass up the person that was going to give you the word. You met that person first. They were willing to talk to you. They had a word for you. you, you we always got to consider more people more important than ourselves, like Philippians tell us to. Consider others more significant than yourselves. And we always got to think of, uh, we got to say, okay, I don't think more of myself than I should. Okay? And y'all can have a word for me, just like I have a word for you. And I look forward to you guys talking, like on the prayer line, because all of y'all bring something to the table. It don't make no difference who it is. Like the great preacher said, it ain't about the title, which was Steve. Amen. All right, go ahead. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought 
he will surely come out to me and See? stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Look, he got him performing a whole religious ceremony. I thought he'd come out and, and wave his hands and do all that. And, and think about this. And some of us think of churches like that. You go to church to have that, all, that whole theatrical thing done. You ain't had church until somebody twinkle told you. You know, you know they got the fingers that do this and they standing over you and they'll throw their handkerchief in there. All that's theatrics. And the Holy Spirit might not even be there. You're looking at witchcraft. And see, what he was used to was some kind of performance. And again, you can't blame him for that. But God wants to show him something. That it's not about the performance. It's about the word. All right? He's important. He wanted to see Elijah. He said, I thought he'd come out here, wave his hands, call on his God, and everything will be all right. But that ain't how he did it. See, God had to shock Naaman's equilibrium of what he expected. God had to disappoint him. God said yes and amen, but it was no to what Naaman wanted. God's yes and amen was no. And the key to us is, can you handle when God say no to what you want and it's yes and amen to his yes and to your no, to him telling you no. See, we won't, when we say God say yes and amen, it's when we get what we want. But what, what, what if God's yes and amen is no? How are you shaking then? So he's shaking his equilibrium. He's getting, and it made him furious. So when you shake somebody off of what their religious belief is, even for their good, you'll find out that a lot of times they'll be mad at you first. Because you're challenging what they believed in. That's why I tell people, know when to use a hammer, know when to use a scalpel. What Elijah just did is use a hammer. I ain't come to see him. I sent a messenger. And I can imagine the messenger all scrawny looking and said, go do this and you'll be healed. What you mean? Who are you? You don't even look as good as my guys. And you coming to give me a message? I thought he'd come out here and perform for me. Okay? Looking for the performance. Looking for the religious service. Looking for the ritual. And again, it may be customary to him being a pagan that that happens. Because, you know, the, at, at Mount Carmel, the pagan, got, the pagan prophets bounced around. All 480 of them. Before the man of God say, okay, that's enough. Y'all cut on y'all selves and everything and God ain't came down. Y'all God must be using the bathroom or something. <laughs> or too busy to talk to y'all. Okay? So he was used to that kind of stuff. So we ain't mad at him. That's what he expects. So when you have people who are not in Christ come to you with religion, don't get upset with them. Understand their position. That's all they know. Go down to the front, stand at the altar, cry, 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 snot, 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 give a little offering, talk to the prophet, talk to the priest, talk to the man, talk to the woman, go back in the room, let them surround you and speak tongues over you, all of that. Okay? But that's what they're used to. Okay? Sermons that are not sermons, just encouraging a bunch of, bunch of platitudes. Yeah, they're not used to the word of God, so you got to be gentle with them, all right? But this, this deserved a hammer because of his position. With, with people of affluence, you got to, nine times out of ten, you got to hit them with a hammer. Because they don't understand, they, don't, they look down upon, they think using softness or tact other than prop them up is a sign of weakness. 
So you got to just go and slam them. Okay, go ahead. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? See, he talking about, he looking in his eyes. He's like, that's cleaner than that old nasty Jordan. <laughs> Why do I want to go wash myself? I'll, hold on, I already got leprosy. I don't need nothing else. <laughs> I already got a flesh disease that's eating up my flesh. Think about this. It's eating up his flesh. And you want me to go wash in a nasty river? And the rivers of, of where I'm from is cleaner? Man, you got to be kidding me. Go ahead. Could I not wash in them and be clean? Can I not go where I want to go and be clean? See, you make up your own religious ritual. I don't want to go where I'm supposed to go. I don't want to come to Jesus. I just want to know God. Can I just know God and be saved? No. Can I just come to church and be saved? No. But that ain't what they say, but they, been, they didn't say you, they didn't taught you wrong. You mean, I, I don't, can I just say the sinner's prayer and be saved? No. Because just saying the prayer where there's no true heart behind it, you're just saying some words. That's just a formula. God, when God saves you, it's really not, it's not a formula. You repent because you realize that you should have been dead. You don't repent just because they tell you to. Okay? It's not a formula. It's a relationship. All right? That begins with a, with a heartfelt pain that, 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 that God was so merciful on you that, that you know you deserve to really, really die. But he, he decided to give you mercy. And the only reason he gave you mercy so he can give you grace. Okay? You get mercy first, then you get grace. The favor of God in your life. Unmerited. You didn't earn it. He earned it for you. And all you got to do is believe. All right, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. All right, go ahead. So he turned and went away in a rage. Mm -hmm. Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, mm -hmm. My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down, George, he, so he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So he had a baby booty bottom flesh. <laughs> it returned back to him. You know, everything returned back to him. Now let's go to Luke. We're going to wrap this up. We're going to wrap this up. Okay. Go back, Frida, to what verse talked about the fact after he read this, they were mad at him. So go back to the start. Okay, go back up to like 25, something like that, where it started with the woman, then, then, then yeah, go back up. Okay. Um, and he said, okay, truly I said here, verse 25, but I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months when a great famine came over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got <coughs> up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill up on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. Okay, go ahead. 
but passing through their midst, he went his way. All right. So my question to anybody want to want to just answer this: Why do you think they were so mad? All he did was read the story that, that we read. Why are they mad? First, they said it was gracious what he was saying. They received what he was saying when he was talking about healing and all that. But then when he just told the story and he said a prophet's not receiving his own homeland, he just told the story. And then why are they mad? Why are they mad? Some against what they didn't want it. I know they didn't want to hear it, but it was some against what they didn't, that they did in their, um. Anybody else? I mean, Earth, go ahead. Why were they mad? Uh, well, after it, was, after it was good stuff, I guess they was like, is this not Joseph's son? So I guess they was saying in their minds they had made up that somebody somebody regular, some little carpenter's son is not able to say all of these these lofty, you know, scriptural things, you know, something so good. But then when he went and told them more scripture, the stories that he was pointing out is those people that you count out, like the, the series, like the widow and the leper that ain't even in the house of Israel, those are the people that God does miracles through shows us that he does miracles and I'm doing the same thing right now. Yeah, I don't See, trust and, and, and I thought she was going to say the word I was looking for and she's right and Eartha was right on the right track too. Okay, now, now, now think about this. Think about think about it like this. A modern, let's move it to 2021 and what we see on television, what we see these false prophets doing. They cool as long as you speak in what? Huh? What they want to hear. The good stuff. So when he was talking, lepers gonna see and all that, that was great. But they don't want to hear a message that challenges their belief that they're so important that God won't serve nobody else. This was an example of God's sovereign election to bless Gentiles. God sovereignly, he has mercy on whom he will have mercy. And he will curse who he curses. He will bless who he chooses. And nobody decides that but God. So both of them had a but God moment because they were willing to listen to the word of God coming from the man and woman of God. And they were a nation that was foreign to that God. They listened to the message and the message and their obedience healed them. Okay. There'd have been no healing without the obedience. So they had to trust in what the man of God said from the from God by faith. They had no relationship with the God of Israel. They were outside of the of the welfare of Israel. So this is not about the way it happened. It's about this beautiful God looks and decides all over the earth every day who he going to bless. Strictly on who he wants to bless. Now that person may ha has to receive the message. So if we go forward in history, the message is the salvation, the gospel, which is the power of God and the salvation. You contain the word that will feed them. You contain the word that will cleanse them. You contain what the man of God has, which is a word from God that's good for everybody. 
not just for Jew, but also for the Gentile. So when somebody asks, were uh, the nation of Israel this, nation of Israel that? Yeah, but no, but we see even in the Old Testament, God started having a relationship with the Gentile nations because he's a God of both. All you need is faith. The Bible says when you do something that's not of faith, it is sin. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. So as the church, we look at these stories in the culture it was in and say, okay, how do we relate that to us? Oh, we relate it to us like I said. You have that word and you're supposed to share it with anybody that will be willing to listen. Plant the seed and let God work the rest out. They don't need to do the stuff like you said. Go home and, and walk around your bed seven times. You don't need to do all that. Jesus died, so you ain't got to do that. I'm going to say that again. Anytime they got you doing all this physical stuff, they're basing upon the Old Testament with you that you have no relationship to. Jesus died, so you would not have to walk around your house seven times. Jesus died so to believe in what he did on the cross. Not what you can do as a work to prove the way you believe is in your behavior every day. What is your life like? What is your character like? Or do you have, are you displaying the fruit of the spirit? That's what he asked. He didn't ask you to do all this monkey show stuff. Anybody ask you to do that is a liar and a false prophet. And they should be avoided at all costs because they're taking advantage of your need to satisfy your flesh and it labeling it spiritual and it's not. Let's pray. Oh, Grace Heavenly Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the people of God. Continue to watch over us and teach us. And we hope that a word was said that may set someone free today because Jesus did come with the good news. And we contain the good news for those who believe. The Bible says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe to the Jew first and then to the Greek. So anybody and everybody that can receive the gospel. So Lord, teach us how to plant the seed of power that can save them. Cleanse the leper and feed the widow. God, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So that's it. Tonight. Thank you for listening to the Walk in Truth Radio Network broadcast. If this message has been a blessing to you, consider donating on your favorite platform. You can donate by looking in the description box and picking your favorite platform of choice, Venmo, Cash App or PayPal. Continue listening. And your prayers are needed, welcomed and appreciated.